Good morning. Hey, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want us all to put our hands together and welcome our new members. Amen. I love it. Love it. I love it. Don't you? Isn't that awesome? Some of you may be attending here and you just haven't ever gotten around to becoming a part of the church by as far as joining. And if you'd like to, you can pick up the membership packet out there. We'd love for you to take a look at that and and get that information to us. There's a card in there to fill out and we'll take that before our board. But uh, it's always exciting when we have folks that, that decide to not just to attend, but they say, you know, we're going to join with this body of believers and we're going to put our, our talents and abilities to work in this place. And so, so glad to see you doing that today. And also, I wanted to say to you men who are interested in going to Honduras, but you're just not sure yet. You're just not sure, but you're just kind of pondering whether or not you should go. Join me at 4 o'clock over in Building B, which is the, the, the smaller building of our three. It's this one over here. Even if you don't know if you're going or not, even if you're not sure, just come to the informational meeting, get the information, decide whether or not that's something you'd be interested in. It's come to my attention that there is an outside source uh, that is providing some scholarship money uh, for some to go who might not otherwise be able to. It's been specified that they be, that they're builders because we need uh, block layers and carpenters. Uh, But if you are a builder and you think, you know what, I just can't afford to get away, I can't afford to go, can't afford to the two weeks or whatever the cost, whatever the case, come tonight, find out about it. You might qualify for some scholarship money to be a part of that. And, and you say, well, I'm not a builder and I still want to go. Well, great. You're a grunt like me and we need you. Come on. We're going to have a great time. So, uh, you say, what's a grunt do? A grunt goes around, carries blocks and uses the day as an opportunity to work out. You know, I mean, when I walk around and pick up tin and I pick up blocks and I mix mud and all kinds of fun stuff. But we actually fall, we fall in and find things to do. You say, I've never been a builder. I don't know much about it. You would still enjoy it, fellas. Come on, be a part of it. You will enjoy the fellowship. Well, I want you to get your Bible, turn to the book of Jonah. I want to talk about a plant. I'm going to talk about a plant for a few minutes this morning. There was a fellow that got on an airplane in Los Angeles. And he was going to Dallas, but the plane that he got on was going to fly from Los Angeles, stop in Dallas, and then on to New York. But he didn't want to go to New York, he just wanted to go to Dallas. And so he said to the flight attendant, he said, I'm bad about falling asleep on these planes, so I I don't want to end up in New York. So so if you would, if I fall asleep, wake me up when we get to Dallas so I can get off the plane. A couple hours later, he wakes up and looks out the window and they're landing in New York. He was so mad. The plane lands. People are starting to file off the plane. He, he, he goes to the flight attendant who had talked to him. He said, I told you to wake me up. Why didn't you wake me up? You said you were going to wake me up. He said, now I'm all the way in New York. I was supposed to be in Dallas. He was so mad. He stomps off the plane. And the one stewardess looks at the other and she was like, wow, he was really mad. And she said, you think he was mad? You should have seen the guy I made get off in Dallas. Now, I don't know about y'all, but for me to get mad, I mean, you know, mad is the the definition of mad is insanity. And some people, they go past anger, don't they? They get, they, they hit anger, then they shoot on past anger and they end up somewhere in a category of mad. I mean, just insane, throwing stuff, kicking walls. I was that kid in, in school that if I ever started crying, it wasn't because I was hurt. You ever meet a kid like that? 
Darren's crying clear out about a 10-mile radius so you don't get hurt. You know, I was that guy. Have I ever started crying? I was mad. I had gone past being angry, and I was mad. Well, you know, I, I, I operate most days just on a real even kill. I don't, I don't go up and down, fluctuate much. I don't, I don't get angry. I don't think. I don't, I don't get mad very often. Only a few times in 31 years that we've been married could Deb ever tell you she knows that I was mad. There's been a few times. It wasn't at her, but there's been a few times she's seen me get mad. And she would tell you that was not a pleasant experience, even though it wasn't in her direction. And, but, but, but it doesn't happen that often, and most of us are that way. I mean, it's just, it's just not something that happens very often. In fact, uh, the other day the Lord said something to me that shocked me. He said, you're angry with me, or at me. You're angry with me. And I was surprised by that because I thought, well, Lord... If anybody in this relationship has a right to be angry, it should be you with me. I mean, I don't, I didn't know I was angry with you, and I certainly don't have a right to be. You have a right to be mad with me because, I mean, I'm all the time doing and saying and thinking and going. I'm, I mean, I'm all the time that guy. I can't imagine uh, why I would think that I have a right to be angry at you. I'm the one that's a mess. You should be angry with me. It reminded me of a guy in the Bible who was very angry with God. His name was Jonah. Jonah despised a certain group of people. They were the folks that lived in Nineveh, the old Ninevites. And the Ninevites were very cruel people. And they had been terrible to their neighbors and to the people around them. And Jonah had been a recipient, his people and his, his area had been a recipient of the cruelty of the Ninevites. He despised them, couldn't stand them. They were vicious people. They were destructive people. And so when God told Jonah that he was going to overthrow Nineveh, Jonah got giddy about it. It excited him. It, it's, it, it would be much like, if you would be honest, it would be much like those of us today hearing that firebombs had come down out of heaven and completely eliminated ISIS. If we were honest, we would probably have to raise our hands in here and say, I've, I've prayed prayers that God just kill them all. I mean, these people are going around, they're killing our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're destroying historical landmarks. They're just crazy altogether. And the whole planet would be better if every one of them was just gone. And we don't want to raise our hand and say, well, my mom's been praying that God would just completely annihilate those suckers. Just, Just smoke them. Because we cannot imagine there being any scenario in which them remaining on this planet another day could be good. After all the things we hear about what they're doing. You understand a little bit now about what was in the mind of Jonah because spiritually the Ninevites were the ancestors of Isis. Now you have a little bit of an idea about why when God said to Jonah, I'm going to overthrow Nineveh, And he said, awesome. It's about time. This is great news. 
And God says, oh, hang on, time out. Go warn them. Go tell them to repent. Jonah said, there's no way that I'm going to do that. And so the scripture says he jumps on a boat and heads to Tarshish instead. I don't want to be the one that changed the outcome, you know. If God's about to destroy him, far be it for me to be the one that did anything to stop him in that. I mean, get after it. And God says, no, go warn him. So he jumps on a boat going the opposite direction in hopes that God will change his mind. You know the story out in the middle of the water, out in the middle of the ocean. The ocean is just going nuts and it's crazy. And finally Jonah said, it's my fault. And so reluctantly they throw him over and the big fish swallows him and he spends that time in the belly of the fish and he's near death and right before he dies he remembers the goodness of God and he repents of his sin and here's a word we don't get to use at church a lot but it's a fun word for all the kids the fish pukes him out on the land he has been puked have any of y'all ever been puked nobody here ever been I've been puked on puked at that I've never been puked he was puked It's a fun word. Just say it under your breath. It'll bring a smile to your face. It's the kind of word you're not supposed to say at church, but it's kind of fun. It's puked. Hmm. Gets up, pulls the seaweed out of his hair. And he says, okay, God, I'll go and tell him what you said. I don't think he's happy about it, but I'll go. And for three days, it says that Jonah walks among these enemies of his proclaiming. And this is the literal translation of the original text. Yet 40 days and Nineveh overthrown. You say, well, that doesn't even make sense. Yet 40 days and Nineveh overthrown. It doesn't say in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. But the way that it reads, it makes a different suggestion altogether. It's not saying, in our, in our translation and in our mind, it reads, in 40 days, Nineveh will be throw, overthrown. So we're thinking, okay, these folks have got 40 days to get it straight, and then they're all going to be wiped out, right? That's not what it says. It says, by 40 days from now, it'll be a done deal. It's not that they got 40 days and after. It's, but by this space of 40 days between now and then, it's a done deal. They'll be overthrown. But here's the catch. Something I never saw in all the years I've studied this. And I preached a series on this one time. Some of you were here years ago when I preached a series on Jonah and talked about it. I never brought this point out because I never saw it until I studied this time. I noticed the translation of the word overthrown. The word overthrown there means, are you ready for this? To change, to overturn, to return, or to convert. It doesn't mean to destroy. Wait a minute. That just changed the whole story. Yet 40 days and Nineveh changed, converted. Hang on a minute. How did Jonah miss that? Because he wanted to. (laughs) he wanted to just like a lot of times we read scripture and we want it we need it to mean 
something that it doesn't. Hmm. Sounds as if God is prophesying that they're going to be converted and saved within 40 days, not destroyed. But Nineveh must have thought it meant destroyed by the way it was being delivered. Because, I mean, he gives them the message. He gives the message. He warns them, but he tells them that they're going to get smoked and they start getting saved. And, And so Nineveh thinks it means destroyed. And Jonah wanted it to mean destroyed. Had it been you and I, we would have wanted it to mean destroyed. But God looked at these cruel and unlovable and destructive people and decided that they were worth saving. Isn't God good? Now, I'm not good. You're not good. Because we wanted to smoke them. But God is good. Hmm. And the whole city repents. 120,000 people are converted. That's revival. And Jonah is the number one evangelist in the world. And he's mad about it. The most successful evangelist in the world. And he's upset. Because these people in his mind deserve death. And he knows that when his own folk back home find out that he was the vehicle God used to bring them to repentance, he is not going to be a hero. He is not going to be popular when he gets home. When they say, Jonah, God was about to destroy them and you went down and warned them. And this is why Jonah's angry. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah was very upset about this and he became angry. Listen to this prayer. So he prayed to the Lord. Lord, isn't this what I said would happen when I was still in my own country? That's why I tried to run to Tarsus in the first place. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate and patient and always ready to forgive and reconsider your threats of destruction. So now, Lord, just take my life. I'd rather be dead than alive. What's he saying? He says, God, all of your mercy and your compassion and your forgiveness and your patience are just more than I can bear. And I'm angry that you changed your mind and didn't kill him. But did God change his mind? No. Not according to what we're learning here, finding out today. It sounded to me like God did just what he said he was going to do. But Jonah never listened to God's intentions because he was already too jaded and hateful and upset about the Ninevites to hear God's heart. Hmm. So Jonah's outraged. He's left the city now after the revival and he has found himself up on a found himself a place on an elevated spot where he can see the city and he's sitting there waiting for a fireball to come out of heaven and just smoke the whole city. That's what he wants. That's what he's looking forward to. He's sitting out here. He's built himself a shelter and he's waiting for the display and it never comes. The Bible says a plant brought him comfort. Not the fact that 120,000 people have been saved and had their lives changed and have become good people now and going to start being beneficial to society instead of being what they've been. That's not what brings him joy. A plant grows beside his shelter. And now he's happy. Now he has something. 
says to himself, I must be all right with God. I built myself a shelter. In one night, this plant grew up and covered my shelter, gave me shade, brought me joy. The whole world may be a mess, but I must be okay with God because he miraculously has given me my own plant. And it brings me happiness. I have something here that I can wrap my arms around. It's tangible. Makes me special. Better. Now I'm in a good spot to watch these poor, miserable, cruel people get punished and destroyed. I have my own plant. I like it. He enjoys the plant for the space of a whole day. Goes to bed that night, gets up the next morning, and in the night a worm has eaten his plant. It has died and withered, and he is madder now than ever. The only thing I cared about. Still with me? I had nothing left in life that I gave a rip about. Except one stinking plant. And now you're going to rip it out and take it from me too. I wish I was dead. I don't even want to be here. You ever get mad at God? You say to yourself, how can things like this happen when God loves me so much and he could have stopped it? You ever said that? I can't believe God let me lose that marriage. I can't believe God let me lose that house. I can't believe God let me lose that job. I prayed. I fasted. He gave it to me. And I cannot believe he took it away. It was there. And I loved it. I liked it. It brought me joy. It gave me peace and security and safety. And then he just yanked it away from me. I can't believe that God would take my plant. Hmm. He's outraged. Are you angry at God today? For the plant that he has taken from you. And if so. We're going to stop right there for a minute. And we're going to change gears just for a second. We're going to come back. But I want to encourage you. Because I don't need you to lift your hand. I don't need to know who I'm talking to. But I do know that you're here. I know there's several people in this room. Who are like oh, all of a sudden they're like oh my lands. Yes I I identify, I, I am angry at God. And I want to encourage you with something that I found studying this I thought was very interesting. Throughout the entire time that Jonah is angry at God, God continued to do four things in his life. Number one, in Jonah's anger, God continued to speak to him. That's unlike you and I. You get mad enough at each other, what do you do? I ain't talking to you no more. I ain't talking to you. I'm done with you. That's what we do. Soul up. So thankful that God's not like us in that way. We are created in his image emotionally is one of the ways, but not to the extent. He cannot be so human like us that he can hold a grudge. So... We would think, I'm mad at God, he must be mad at me. He's not. I'm mad at God, 
I'm not even going to pray anymore. It doesn't do me no good. Every prayer I pray just does the opposite or don't do anything at all. I might as well not even pray. And God says, you don't have to talk to me. I'm going to still talk to you. And God said to him in verse 4, Hey, Jonah, what you mad about? God, you know what I'm mad about. Number two, God continued to provide for him. Verse 6 said he was happy with the plant. God gave him that plant. Supernaturally gave him that plant that, took, that, gave, that brought him joy. God supernaturally let in one night, he let a plant take root, spring up, shoot up, grow up, cover up. One day. God provided for him. Number three, God continued to provoke him to better things. Verses seven and eight, the plant died and was gone. You say, well, how can that be a good thing? The provocation of God is always a good thing. What do I mean by that? He can't keep sitting there anymore that the plant is gone. Because scripture said that now God sends a vehement wind. He's already got the heat going and now he's being sandblasted in the face. Just getting drilled by the heat and the sand and the wind. Guess what? He can't stay like that. He can't stay there. God is provoking him, stirring him, prodding him to move. You can be mad, Jonah, but you can't stay here. You just can't stay here. you be here for a minute, but you can't stay here. And number four, God continued to teach him, verses 10 and 11. He's teaching him about what God cares about. What's the result? Does Jonah learn from this? Does he get better? Does he, does he move on? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those books in the Bible that leaves us with that. Jonah's upset. The plan is dead. God said, are you not more concerned about 120,000 people who don't even know their right hand from their left? And it's over. That's it. We would say, well, we want to know. I mean, did Jonah get his mind right? Did he repent? Did he become a world-known evangelist? Did he sell a lot of books and CDs? I mean, what happened? Nothing. 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 We don't know. Story's over. That's it. So what do we know? Here's the lesson from the story. We learn that God loves people. And if it's necessary, he will allow all of your plants to die in order to save them. That's what the book's about. I don't like that, Pastor. Does this sound to me like you're saying that this terrible thing that I suffered, I was abused when I was a child or I was I was mistreated when I was older. I got fired from a job I never should have got fired from. I had a spouse that left me that never should have left. I had terrible, terrible things that have happened to me over and over and over. And you're, it sounded like you're talking about, you know, through all that, I was praying, God, hey, this is my plant. God, this relationship is my plant. God, this car is my plant. God, this house is my plant. This is my plant. You gave it to me and now it's gone. Where are you at, God? I'm praying. Hey, listen, here I am. I'm in church every week. I'm paying my tithes. I'm listening to the message. I'm singing the songs. Where are you at? God loves people more than plants. And so that's why sometimes your dreams are dashed. Your health suffers. Relationships don't mend as quickly as you would like for them to.
He's saying that God uses bad things. I'm not saying God does bad things, but God allows everything. And it isn't for your hurt or harm or to anger you or any of that. It's just simply all about the fact that God is more concerned with people that don't know their right hand from their left than he is on whether or not you get to keep your house or keep your job or keep your health. Now, in all that, the natural thing is going to be you're going to get angry. That's going to make you mad. Why did it have to be this way, God? Why did you let this happen? That's why Paul sat in prisons rotting. John the Baptist had to die humiliated by being beheaded. Stephen had to be stoned. Maybe you had to suffer an illness. Maybe you had to lose a loved one. On and on it goes. It doesn't make sense to you. But God loves unsaved people more than plants every time. We have all in this room experienced terrible things. I understand that. I'm no different than you. I've not had it any worse than you've had it, I'm sure. But I reflect on a message like this. I say to myself, I have experienced a lot of pain and a lot of heartbreak. I've been attacked by the enemy on every side, I think. And I've prayed lots of prayers over the years for God to do something, change something, fix something. And in many cases, he was silent at the moment. And what I asked for did not happen. And I moved on and and I never stopped serving him. I, I never stopped loving him. I never stopped enjoying his presence. But somewhere deep in the recesses of my heart, anger had taken hold. And I didn't even know. Tuesday night. In an altar service. An appeal was given. And the pastor said to the people that were sitting there. I was sitting there listening. He said to everybody that was there. He said, I want you just to stop right now and ask God what he wants to say to you. And so I did. It wasn't an emotional situation for me. I, I just asked God, hey, God, what do you what do you want to say to me? Now, I had expectations about that. I really expected that God was going to remind me of some sin in my life. Because, I mean, there's a plethora of sins for him to pick. Right? So I'm figuring, what do you want to say to me? God's going to say, well, let's start here. (laughs) And he's going to name some kind of sin. But he didn't. So then I thought, well, okay, he's going to reveal to me something about next. You know, next is always what's coming out. What are we going to do next? God, what do you want me to do next? So I'm looking for next. Nothing. Instead, out of nowhere, and it completely caught me off guard, he just said, you're angry at me. One of my best friends in the world was sitting right next to me. Afterwards, we were talking about that, and he said, he said that, and and I realized at the very exact moment that God said this to me, he said it to him. He said, God said, you're angry with me. Now, in that service, I'm I'm just going to relay to you my response. First of all, my response was surprise. I was surprised. And then I just started meditating on it. I, I just started thinking about it. And then just blankness. Isn't that strange? Just blank. I mean, surprised, then 
think about that a minute and then blank. I looked around the room and people all around me were down, bowing, kneeling, weeping, repenting. I'm just sitting there. You say, Pastor, that's not right. You're supposed to be leading there. You're supposed to be acting right. You You should have been repenting. I know that. I know what I should have been doing. But I wasn't. I just sitting there. I, I wasn't. Again, I, I guess I'm angry, but I didn't feel like it. I, I didn't. I, there was no animosity. There was just no feeling. It was just nothing. You ever been there? Just nothing. Just sitting there blank. I didn't cry. I didn't repent. I didn't do anything. It, it, it wasn't a rebellious response. It wasn't a disobedient response. It just was what it was. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I love you. And I praise you and I'm going to serve you. And this doesn't change anything as far as those things are concerned. But I, but I need to think about this. And so that whole night, I didn't do nothing. And all day Wednesday, I didn't do nothing. And all day Thursday, I didn't do nothing. Until finally Thursday afternoon, I got down on my knees. And I said, God, you're right. I have been angry at you. And I'm sorry. And I meant it. I repented. I meant it. And then I asked God to what I thought were very important questions about the situation and I waited for his response are you ready for this I heard nothing (laughs) but then something very interesting happened all of a sudden I realized that I could not remember the two questions I had asked him I still can't remember them. At the time, they seemed so important. But I can't remember even what the questions were. And then it was the Holy Spirit that spoke so quietly into my spirit and said that he had forgiven me and forgotten all about it. And as a blessing to me, had caused me to forget about it too. And God and I are moving on. And he didn't point out my anger because he was angry too. He pointed out the anger so that I could repent and move on. If you're Jonah, I want you to listen to me today. If you're angry with God, he knows it. But that doesn't mean he's angry with you back. He seeks to restore you and heal you and to recondition your heart so that you can move on. Why did these things happen? I don't know. I can't answer that. But they weren't meant to anger you or hurt you or to destroy you. They happened because God loves people more than plants. And people always come first. His ways are beyond our understanding. But there's the good news, guys. He reminds us. He forgives us. He restores us so that we can keep moving forward in the victory. I've asked you this already a couple of times, but I'm going to ask you again. Are you angry with God today? I said, I've never allowed myself to be honest about that question because it's sacrilegious, it's disrespectful, and I'm afraid I'll get struck dead by lightning. No, God is asking you today. Do to the situations and the difficulties and the hardships of your life. Have you found yourself becoming angry?
and saying, God, where are you at? This didn't have to be like this. Where are you at? I don't need to see your hands. I don't need for you to come down front so we can count you. I just would implore you to be honest today because already the Holy Spirit has spoken to many of your hearts and said, you're angry with me too. Not just him, you too. You've been mad at me too. You're angry with me. In fact, some of you are remembering instances in your life. You're pointing back right now. The Holy Spirit is reminding you of the instances, the roots in many cases of what caused the anger in your spirit. God is not reminding you of that because he wants to hurt you. He's reminding you that because he wants to heal you. And he wants you to turn loose of it. So in this song, I just want you to be honest with God. I would love to be able to say, if that's you, I want you to come down the front, throw your hands up, repent. God's going to restore you right here. You're going to walk out of here. I, 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 I can't say that to you because for, it didn't happen that way for me. It was a process of several days. But for some of you, you may be further down the road than I was. You more, may be more receptive. Than, I don't know. I'm simply saying that wherever you're at in that process with you and the Lord, let it happen right now. Let it happen to the extent that it can. And then allow yourself over the next few days, if necessary, for God to continue a healing work in your life. But I do know this. You're not, you're not going anywhere further. It's not because God is angry and wouldn't allow you. It's because you can't drag that shelter that you built around on your back and do anything productive for God. The plant come and gone. The shelter you've been hanging on to. You can't carry it with you into the places that God wants to use you. You're going to have to turn loose. And here's what I know. Thursday, service was Tuesday night, Thursday afternoon. When I got down on my knees and I prayed, I asked my questions. There was no response. I forgot my questions. And all of a sudden, I felt the load. (laughs) It's a good feeling. I'm going to be honest with you. I felt that go. And sense a freedom. I sense a freedom in my spirit. I didn't even know I was lacking. God gives us his word today. I struggled, guys. I struggled for a while. I wasn't going to preach this because I thought some things the Lord does is just personal. And I thought that was a personal thing. And I'm not prepared and I haven't thought it through enough. And I, I'm not able to preach it that quickly. This was Thursday. Here we are on Sunday. I'm not, but it stayed with me because I feel like there's so many of us that can identify. So many of us, even unbeknownst to you, have been angry with God. And that anger is limiting your fruitfulness. Not his love. You're still his kid. He still loves you. But it's limiting your fruitfulness. So during this song, to whatever extent you're able, confront that. If you're ready, repent. Whatever whatever that means to you. 
You can go around the building. You can kneel at the altars. You can come or you can sit where you're at. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just simply saying to you that during this moment, let this word find its root in your heart and be changed by the word today. And get rid of that load. Amen.